We've been uh, looking at a series over the last few weeks. We've been looking at this series called Jesus the Game Changer to the Ends of the Earth. And this series explores the heroic stories of Jesus' followers who have risked everything in the adventure of a lifetime to take the game-changing news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And in previous week, we looked at the, the Great Commission, the words that Jesus gave to his followers and his disciples to take his words, to take his message to the very ends of the earth. We also looked at our new identity in Christ and how this message, this good news compels us to be his followers and his witnesses in our world. We then looked at how family and, and faith is a, is a part of mission. And we looked at the place of family in faith formation, both in our own uh, biological families or our homes, as well as our spiritual home, our church. And we looked at dealing with opposition and the reality that as people of, of faith, as we walk with Jesus, we will suffer opposition in some form. And then we had guest speaker Wayne Ford with us last week and he shared this whole theme in regards to being united in mission and in regards to the fact that conflict is actually a part of mission. It's not something there that just is there to derail us or gets in the way. No, it's a part of the actual journey As we walk with other followers in Christ, we will have disagreements and a part of the journey of walking together is is forgiving one another and restoring our relationship with one another. Today we're going to continue with another theme and the theme for us today, this very morning, is this, the Bible, which uh, which is far beyond information but rather brings transformation. And we're going to look at the historical significance as well of Bible translation in the midst of this. I'd like to ask, have you ever found yourself in a place where you could not understand what was being said? Lost in translation, you might say. This idea brought to mind a time when I was travelling with a a missions team. We used to take short-term mission teams into Vladivostok, a part of Russia, um, but because it's on the far east of the nation, we would fly through South Korea as a, as a layover, as a stopover before we'd land in Russia. And we'd often that. 
whole new language has emerged in the form of texting. If you've got your mobile phones, and of course we're all messaging each other now, and there are all these shorthand forms, and uh, if you don't know them, it can be a little bit, a bit odd. And so here's a few. I want to see, test your knowledge with some of this, this new formed language, the, the, the texting and messaging vocabulary. Firstly, if you see B and 4, what do you think that stands for? I know you're calling out to your TV screens right now or to one another. B4, well, it's shorthand for before. Pretty simple one there for you. How about BFN? Someone text BFN. Bye for now. Did you get that one? How about BRB? Be right back. You can see the, the sort of abbreviations here. GT, GTG, which is known for good to, good to go. LOL, of course, has to be one of the most favourite, yeah? LOL stands for laugh out loud or the expanded version, which I didn't know and I just learnt this one and I, I like this, prefer this one. ROTFL, which is short for roll on the floor laughing. That just takes it to that next level. Now, people even here looking at me nodding, going, I can't believe you didn't know that, Wally, but yes, <laughs> I am learning. And then in case you missed it, I see why am I, quite literally, in case you missed it, there are also some polite forms. T-Y, shorthand for thank you, and Y-W, shorthand for you're welcome. This whole new language has emerged, and of course, it continues to evolve and evolve. But unless you understand this language, you, you miss what's being said. You see, all forms of translation, whether getting lost in South Korea or messaging your teenager on your phone, all of these forms of translation are challenging tasks. All translation requires motivation. It requires more than one person. And it requires you to move and go beyond simply the transfer of information, but Language is about doing what? It's about transferring and communicating a message. You see, good translation is about conveying meaning. It's not just about words or phrases. And throughout history, Bible translation has been a global movement. Ever since the call that Jesus gave to the disciples to go to the ends of the earth, it has been a key driving force, especially in the Protestant mission, especially in the last few centuries. It has been one of the most crucial motivating factors that has taken people onto boats, planes, trekking across continents to go to the ends of the earth. It has been one of the key factors to the missionary movement of our time. People have gone to take the good news of Christ and to translate it in languages all over the earth so that people can know the good news of Jesus. I'd like to share with you now a clip of a, a missionary who did just this. He's an, an elderly gentleman uh, from Japan and he shares his experiences as a missionary going to some remote places to share the good news of Jesus. I got interested into the work of Bible translation you know, through reading uh, the Japanese version of a uh, 2,000 Tongues to Go, which was uh, published by Wycliffe USA. In that book, yeah. they talk about um, missionaries dying. Yeah. Did that not put you off? No, no, no. Uh, but the, the life of a missionaries will be very difficult, you know, going to the jungles of Amazon. Uh, life is very hard. 
very primitive uh, then but learning the language the unknown language and never been and the knowledge of that language is nowhere in the world <laughs> uh, you are the first one to go that in 1977 there were three openings of a new Bible translation uh, offered to us so uh, we went to the first one on the list and then I decided that we'll be assigned to the Philippines. There was no road, so we had to hike over the mountains uh, 10 hours. We had two kids, four and two years old, and narrow path, uh, lots of uh, leeches, no electricity. Uh, no road, no clinic, no telephone, no uh, no running water, uh, no gas, uh, no toilet, no shower. Uh, you go down to the river to take a shower. Uh, Any time you thought this is not a good idea? No, 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 no. This is this is where we should be. But it, it wasn't easy, uh, especially when our kids get sick um, uh, no way uh, just uh, hold the baby or hold the kids and pray it's amazing men and women over the centuries have risked their very lives to take the bible to take the good news to unknown peoples to go to people and to learn their languages to spend time with them and firstly, to learn their language and then be able to share the good news in their own language. You think even you and I holding a Bible, which we often take for granted, men and women have died to translate these words so that you and I can know the good news of Jesus Christ. Men and women continue to do the same today, both locally and to the corners of the earth. People have risked everything to ensure that people can read the Bible in their own language. But why? Why is this so important? Why have people risked difficulty, danger and even death to ensure that people could read the Bible? People have done so simply because of this. The Bible in and of itself has the power to transform lives. The good news of Jesus found in the Word of God, simply read, has the power to radically transform people. The Word of God has the power to transform lives. Throughout history there is a fascinating truth that countless people have found faith in Jesus and have been transformed simply by reading the Bible. As a young man, I was part of a Russian community here in Melbourne, a Russian Baptist church. It was during the time of the Soviet era where, where you weren't able to travel freely into Russia, of course, as a closed nation. And so the services in our church were recorded. There used to be a little red light on the ceiling which meant that it was being recorded. And the singing, the, the preaching of God's word was, was recorded and then broadcast by radio into the, into the Soviet Union because you can't stop airwaves. <laughs> and I also remember hearing stories of countless missionaries who would go into Russia and they would risk their lives taking the Bible in backpacks. They, would, they were illegal to take into the, the country, but they would hide them 
in their bags. They, they would find all these creative ways to, 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 to take the word of God into that nation so that people could have a Bible in their own language and read it for, the, for themselves. People would risk their lives for this purpose because they were convinced that the word of God has the power to transform life. And so too today, I'd like to show you another clip in a moment. I'd like you to meet Mariam and Mazeh, I believe. I hope I've said their names right. These are two Iranian women. And their story is one of incredible faith and of courage, despite persecution and risk of death. Two Iranian women from Iran, I'd like to share their story with you now. I remember one day I was alone uh, in, at home. My sister came home. She had a little booklet in her hand. The name of the booklet was, his name is Wonderful. And she gave the booklet to me. She said she had received it from a man of the church near her university. And um, she, she had read the booklet in the way back home. And she had some doubts about the way that Bible introduces Jesus as the Son of God. That's why when she handed the booklet to me, she said, just read it, but don't read the last page because it's a conversion prayer for those who want to become Christians. At that time, I remember I was very exhausted from searching for the truth, and I just took the booklet from her. I said, don't worry. I went to my room. I shut the door, and I started reading that little booklet. It was just part of the book of Luke. Um, It was 20, 30 pages. You know, I don't know what happened that day in my room, but I I just remember from the first page that I was reading, I felt a strong presence in my room. Uh, It wasn't just like reading those words in that booklet. I believe that Jesus that day revealed the truth to me because every word that I was reading, I felt that it was talking to my heart. Uh, I remember I was in my room for two, three hours reading that little booklet. I was crying because I I could feel the very presence of Jesus in my room and right in front of me. And when I got to the last page of the booklet, um, I remember without any doubt, I prayed a written prayer and I gave my heart to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You see, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to share His truth. You think, okay, this is a story, all of these stories have been elsewhere, but it reminds me of a, a good friend of mine who I studied with many years ago. Uh, he used to smoke weed <laughs> and he used to, he, he discovered, and, and it's a, discovered quite common, that the little red New Testament books, the pages are so fine and, and they're, they're just the right size that many weed smokers used to tear them out and roll their joints with the pages. They were, they were perfect for that purpose. And so this friend of mine was doing exactly that and got a a few Gospels through this little New Testament, got to about Luke or John and thought, hey, I may as well read this. And this is a gentleman with no Christian background whatsoever, sat and just started to read the Word of God and similar to Mariam, just couldn't put it down and God touched him. The Holy Spirit used the words that he read and he gave his life to Jesus. The Word of God in and of itself has so much power. God uses it, the Holy Spirit uses it to draw people to himself. I shared how we used to take mission trips to Vladivostok and one of the highlights for us as we'd go, and we'd go with a team of people and we would enter into these kids' camps that would have anywhere from 100 to 500 kids in them. And we'd go and we'd spend time with them. And one of the things we were loosely permitted to do was to hand out literature. 
we weren't legally given permission to hand out Bibles. The camp itself wasn't allowed as a state-run camp. They weren't allowed to distribute such materials. However, we were allowed to offer them and if kids came to us, we were able to give it to them. And so one of the highlights at the very end of these trips was to pass out Bibles in their own language. In many of the kids' camps, we actually had sort of like cartoon versions in in Russian of the Bible, the, the Gospels. And one of the highlights was seeing hundreds of kids lining up for a, a free Bible. And we'd go and we'd, we'd use, you know how you go over and you fly and you only have a certain amount of kilos that you can take with you. Often we'd take up to half to three quarters of our team weight just in Bibles, in these bags. And we'd go over there and we'd, we'd give them out to these kids And I can still see the image vividly in my mind after giving them out. For days afterwards, we would see the kids just sitting in the playgrounds, reading them, poring over them. We we would hear story after story of these kids coming back to us, asking questions, coming back in tears because of just being moved by the love of God and and the the, the true story of Jesus Christ coming here. Many of the leaders, the team leaders, would come to us and share stories of these young kids sitting up in their rooms, reading them with their torches after the lights had to go out. They just couldn't put them down. And we'd often, year after year, have team leaders coming to us asking for more copies that they could distribute to their own family, to their own parents, to their own loved ones. They just wanted to share this news with all of those that they knew. You see, in Vladivostok, that that generation specifically had never heard the news and the story of Jesus Christ. It was completely foreign to them. And like sponges, they absorbed it and were transformed by that message. You know, it makes me wonder here in Australia, we have our own generation of young people growing up now with no knowledge of the Bible or of Scripture or the good news of Jesus Christ in any form. Schools used to include some form of of RE, religious education, or CRE, specifically Christian religious education, but that hasn't been a part of our schooling system for a long time now. And our young ones are now growing up, only picking up ideas about faith through what the media portrays, many never actually reading or hearing the good news for themselves. So my prayer is that this is an opportunity for us as believers here in Australia, there's an opportunity coming as we have young hearts who have never heard the truth and the good news of Jesus Christ. We have opportunity to share the word with them in the years to come because the Bible and the message it contains transforms lives. God's Spirit works through it as it is shared. I read this article and it's an article written by some missionaries who were using the Discovery Bible method as they worked with people of Hindu faith. Now the Discovery Bible method is one that I've adopted even in, in my own forms of discipleship and it is simple. All we simply do is come together, read a passage of scripture and ask a few questions about What do we learn about God in these words? What do we learn about ourselves? What is God calling me to do? That's it. No study guides, no formal education needed, just coming, trusting that the Holy Spirit works through his word. And I have found 
time and time again that as I do this with people, that the Holy Spirit works in amazing ways. I'd like to read, as I shared, these missionaries who were using this method. This is what they write. The Discovery Bible Study approach is really all about finding people who are spiritually thirsty, gathering them together with their family or friends and teaching them how to discover truth directly from the Bible. It's all about making disciples of Jesus and not looking for converts before we disciple. Each week, groups of Hindus gather together. They open the Bible and ask simple questions like, what do we learn about God? What do we learn about man? Is there an example I need to follow? Is there a command I need to obey? And then what will I do this week to respond in obedience to what I have just read? The approach starts with the creation story and chronologically over the weeks groups work their way through the Old Testament and then to Jesus and his claims. As the weeks go by, slowly the truth begins to permeate hearts. The Spirit stirs understanding and as we allow the power of the Word and the Holy Spirit to teach, we are seeing allegiance to many gods shift to an allegiance to the one true God. This entire process is saturated in prayer. It is truly God alone. This simple method has been one used by missionaries for centuries. Sometimes I think we come up with all these strategies, all these wise, in our eyes, methods. Nothing works as great as simply coming to the Word of God and opening it and allowing the Holy Spirit to work. For me, it's an encouragement to believe that there is power in God's Word. I hope it's an encouragement for you to once again be encouraged by the power in God's word. And I encourage you, maybe it's a challenge, simply to invite people. Invite people who are willing. Don't force people, of course, but people who are willing. Maybe conversations are stirring as you pray and ask for opportunities at work or at school or with your family when people are starting to be willing to hear more. I encourage you. Just invite someone to read the Bible with you. To sit down over a cup of tea or coffee, sit down for an hour and say, let's just read through the Gospel of Mark together, verse by verse. And I know as I say that, we have all these fears that start to stir up. You'll be thinking things like, but I won't be able to answer all the questions. <laughs> what if they ask, or answer, you know, ask a question that I, I cannot answer? What if I don't even know what's being said? That's okay. Because the whole point of this is to allow the Holy Spirit to work. And if you don't know, to simply say, well, you know what? I don't know. I'm discovering and I'm learning too. It's a reminder that God didn't use experts. He started with a group of disciples who were fishermen, tax collectors, everyday normal people, uneducated people. He simply found people who were available and willing people who would rely on him and to step out in faith. I believe we're entering a new season in our own nation, a time when all our human efforts, all our wisdom and all our human strategies are no longer going to work. The gospel is no longer attractive to many people. If anything, it's offensive. It needs to be God and God alone that will transform hearts through his word, not through our Efforts not through our wisdom, but through his truth. 
So this is an encouragement to step out in faith. To step out trusting that God will use his words and his truths. That God will guide us. That God will touch lives. That God's spirit will lead. It's a step of faith to place yourself in his hands. So I wonder if there's someone in your life who you could invite to read the Bible with. If not, maybe the beginning can be to simply ask in prayer, Lord, is there anyone in my life that I could think about inviting in this way? Prepare their hearts. Show me, Lord, who I might be able to invite, I pray. You see, the Bible in and of itself has the power to transform lives. Love Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Holy Spirit uses his word to, to reveal to us his truth and to show us for who we are. The Bible has the power to transform individuals. It also has the power to transform communities. As individuals are changed, communities are transformed. Because missionaries believed that the Bible had the explosive power that could transform lives. It meant that people needed to be able to read it. All people, young, old, Rich, poor, male and female. And so this conviction motivated missionaries to start schools and to teach people how to do something we probably take for granted, how to read. How to read the word of God in their own language. It was one of the key driving force behind the mass production of books that we now take for granted today. And the Bible today is still the best-selling book of all time having sold around 5 billion copies to date. And it is also the most translated book in human history. Why? Because men and women believe that it deserved to be shared. It's been translated into languages all over the world. We also see this. The Bible in and of itself has the power to transform nations, not just individuals, As individuals are transformed, their communities are transformed and as communities are transformed, nations are also transformed. As the Bible is uh, translated into people's heart language, it has the power to transform entire countries. Tefra Endelieu says these words. He's the director of Whitcliffe Bible Translators in Ethiopia. He says this, in Africa... Perhaps especially once people had the Bible in their own language, they began to read their own story in the light of the stories they found in Scripture. As people were reading the Bible, it started to relate. They were able to relate it to their own circumstances, their own stories, and it started to change them and it started to shape their nation. The translated Bible has seen a mass explosion of Christianity across much of Africa. It is said today that over 450 million Africans are professing Christians. It used to be that the West would be sending missionaries to places like Africa to share the gospel, where now we're seeing more Africans coming here and being sent as missionaries to Australia. 
and across the world. And wherever the gospel goes, wherever the good news goes, wherever the, the news is translated and shared, it transforms nations. We read these words by Robert Woodbury, a research professor in Baylor University in Waco. He says this, where you had greater Protestant missionary influence, you have higher literacy, higher school enrolment, more newspaper circulation, more book circulation, more voluntary association membership, higher GDP, more hospital beds, longer life expectancy, lower infant mortality, lower corruption and greater political democracy. So when the good news goes and is is shared, it transforms people, it transforms community, it transforms nations. It's good news. So how do we respond? I pray that as you go today, that you've been encouraged, that your faith has been encouraged to trust in the Word of God again, that you'll place more faith in it. I pray maybe it's sitting on a dusty shelf Maybe you've taken it for granted. I pray that you'll go and you'll dust it off and you'll start reading again. I pray the Holy Spirit will continue to reveal new truths to you. I pray that it will encourage you to join others. Sorry, encourage you to invite others to join you as you read it. As I shared, missionaries' movements began with this one simple invitation to those around them. Come read God's word with me. If you want, I've got the Discovery Bible Method. I've got a little summary sheet. I'll make that available too so you can take it. You might like to use it in your small groups, but you can just use it in your own life and with those around you. But also in the midst of this is a greater question. You see, we're all called as disciples to share the good news of Jesus. Where is God calling you? Has God called you to be a disciple here in Australia, to live for him and to be a witness here, to share the good news through your life, through your word, uh, through your your word, in, in whatever you're doing, through your work. Maybe God's calling you here today to go beyond your local area. Maybe God's calling you to, to other parts of Australia. Maybe God is calling you to other parts of the world to go and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. To continue to translate and share the good news to those who still have not yet heard the good news of Jesus in their own language. Maybe God is stirring you and calling you to go to other parts of the country, other parts of the world. Where is God calling you? I'd like to show you a a small clip. It's a, a song that was written for this very series. And it's an invitation. And I pray that it plays. You can just take a moment to sit, to reflect on the words that are being shared and to ask this simple question, God, where are you calling me? How are you calling me to be a part of sharing your good news in this world?
Father, we come as your, your church and as your people. Lord, we just thank you for your good news. Lord, we thank you for the men and women who risked their lives, who gave their very lives, Lord, to take your, your word to the very corners of the earth, to, to translate your word, Father, into every language. We thank you that we ourselves, Lord, have benefited from that. And we thank you for the Again, for those people who risk everything, Lord, so that we could know your truth. We also think of those who currently today are out in places in the world, Lord, who are placing their lives at risk, Father, to translate and to share your good news, Lord, with people who do not know your message yet. May you go with them. May you give them power and Holy Spirit. Use them, we pray. Lord, we also ask now that you give us the strength to live with boldness, to live our lives for you, to live in response to the wonderful good news that you love us. Give us boldness to go and to share your good news with those around us. Give us boldness to even invite people to come and to read your word, Father. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will use those times and those opportunities, Father. Use it, Lord, to draw people to yourself. But Lord, we know that as your disciples we are called to go. We're all called, Father, be it here, at home, to the very corners of the earth. So now in this very time we would ask that your Holy Spirit would reveal to us, Lord, speak to us, confirm, convicting us, Lord, where you would want us. Lord, if it's here, on home soil, give us the boldness, Lord, to live our days for you, to love those around us. But Lord, there may be also those that you're calling to go beyond, Lord, our nation. I pray that your Holy Spirit will just be stirring something within them. I pray that they may feel your call, your conviction, Lord, and encouragement, Lord, to serve you in, in different ways and in different parts of this world. I pray if that's true, Father, that would they continue to push into you, Father. Continue to seek your wisdom. Give them the bravery, Lord, to speak up also and to share this with someone around them. To come to us even here as the church, Father, as pastors, Lord, just to help guide them and discern this way forward. But, Father, right now, just confirming us, Lord, how you would want us to share your good news and where. We are yours. We offer our lives to you, Father, to share your good news wherever that may be, whatever the cost, Father. For your cause is the greatest of all causes and worth it above all else. So we thank you and we give you praise. And now as we go into this week, locked into our own corner, <laughs> Give us boldness to see this day, this week through. Help us to see opportunities, Lord, there to continue to live our lives for you. To share your good news with those around us. We pray all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people say, Amen.